0: to the Between You and Me podcast, bringing you the best of the KAXE morning show. I'm Chelsea Perkins, news director of KAXE, and I am here with Tammy Bobrowski, who creates our What We're Reading programming for the morning show. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Chelsea. So here we are again in the studio talking about one of your recent interviews. And today we are talking about the book Good Different. So what can you tell me about that? Yeah, Good Different is a
1: middle grade book. It is written by Meg Eden Kuyat, who is a poet and writer, and she also teaches writing. A couple interesting things about this book. One is that it features a neurodivergent character, Selah, who is in seventh grade and who doesn't really quite know why she feels the way she feels about things or reacts to certain stimuli uh, in a certain way. So she's kind of wearing what she calls her normal person mask, where she, her mother has, has guided her, has advised her to kind of push down all those feelings and just pretend that things are okay and and people will react to her in a, in a normal way. So the story is about how Selah kind of goes about trying to do that and how that doesn't really work. And at some point she does learn that she, she does get diagnosed on the autism spectrum. The second interesting thing about this book is that it is written in verse. So right away, you kind of dive into the story through through poems, in a sense. And a lot of other books do this. One, one good example is Starfish by Lisa Phipps. And that really gets you into the story more. It gets you into the character's head, and it gets you into their emotions a little better. And Meg points out that when you write in narrative style, that you have to account for a lot of other things going on in the story, other details. And so you kind of lose out on that character's experience uh, when you focus more on the nar- narrative.
0: Now, I know that in your conversation with this author, you touched on the fact that the author herself is neurodivergent. Right. I'm interested to know what, what insight she offered you into her process or you know how she was able to lend some of her own experiences to this book.
1: Right. From what I can tell, her diagnosis is, is a later-in-life diagnosis, but she had a really good support team in her family. Her family never made her feel like she was weird or different and, and just kind of accepted those symptoms that, that come up as just being part of her. She felt like she had good support growing up, and one of the things that she did take up to kind of be an outlet for these feelings that she she would experience and, and the different Reactions and to certain stimuli is to take up writing. And that's where she kind of got her formation as a writer. And she has Selah, her character in her book, do the same thing. So for both of them, writing was a really good outlet to help them escape from people and <laughs> and, and situations and also to get their, their thoughts and feelings out on paper.
0: You know, one thing I've noticed and just having listened to your interviews um, since I've been here is. Just the vast variety of books available nowadays for younger readers that cover topics like this. I don't recall us having these types of books available to us (laughs) when we were kids. I mean, I'm curious how you how important you view that, that, that these characters who are reflecting different people are more visible in in stories for younger readers. It's
1: been such a wonderful thing to see representation across the board in children's books, picture books, young adult books, even the nonfiction books uh, for children. So a lot of children seem to really respond well to this to see that there's a character just like them or to, to understand maybe something that their friend, maybe a friend of theirs has autism and they don't really quite understand what's going on. So these books really help just so many children understand what's going on in the world, what's going on around them with their friends or family, So having that representation in these books is so wonderful. It's so important, and I hope that authors continue to do that.
0: Now take a listen to Tammy's conversation with Meg eden Kuyat, the author of Good Different.
1: Meg Eden Kuyat is a poet and writer. Her new book is called Good Different. It's a middle grade book and it is told as a novel in verse about Selah, a neurodivergent girl who comes to understand and celebrate her difference. Here's our conversation with Meg Cuyat. So Meg... I read in your bio on your website that you are an author, you've written poetry and children's books, you're also a creative writing instructor, and that you're also neurodivergent. Can you remind us what it means to be neurodivergent? Sure.
2: So neurodivergent is just a category for Uh, brains that work differently. So encompasses things like autism, ADHD, um, and there's other conditions that people, you know, might put in there too, Uh, bipolar, uh, obsessive compulsions, uh, learning, you know, differences. So it's the idea of thinking less of a disorder and more that this is different and how do we work with what's different.
1: Now, Selah, the main character in your book, Good Different, is at some point diagnosed as on the autism spectrum. Can you tell us a little bit about Selah and what are some things you two might have in common? Uh,
2: so we have a lot in common. And what's funny is writing this story was also my journey to get formally diagnosed. So um, it's funny how what you're writing can be reflective of your own journey at the time. Um, so I mean, growing up, and I still struggle with this, like Sela, you know, I push things down, I have this misbelief that you have to wear this mask, this normal person mask um, and that people don't want to hear you know how you're really doing and things like that. Um, and that misbelief for Sela, you know that um, she can only do that for so long. It's not a sustainable practice. and so she blows up one day um, and blowing up makes everyone view her differently because they see past you know the mask. And so she has to kind of figure out how to healthily deal with her differences and being in a neurotypical world.
1: One thing that I noticed that you have in common is um, you're both writers. So you're a writer, Selah, your character is a writer. When did writing become such an important outlet for you?
2: I think in college, um, I remember going on some missions trips over the summer and those were wonderful experiences, but they were also overwhelming because you're with a team of people who all think you should do things a certain way and you're in a totally different country. Um, and I remember just having times where I was like, I cannot handle this and I needed to run away and I needed to write. And that was like my instinct is I have to write. And that was a really healing thing for me to be able to just take time to slow down, go at my pace, figure out what I was feeling. And, um, I started using that more and more as a tool
1: from then. Now, this might be just my ignorance speaking, so call me out on it. Oh, no. um, as you're describing some of the some of the things that you felt and how you dealt with with um, things like being in a crowd or you know being around people a lot, to me that also sounds a little bit about that the difference between extroversion and introversion. Does that play into the spectrum somehow?
2: That's a great question. And it's one that I'm, I'm really curious about myself. Um, Because I'm like, I am very introverted in the sense that I need recovery time. But I'm also more of an extroverted introvert in that I have quite a rich social life. I do a lot of social things I really need and value that. Um, And so I don't know how much that's part of the spectrum. I feel like there's an overlap, right? Because um, if you're, having sensory issues that make you overwhelmed by things like crowds, um, you're going to inherently feel drained by being with people and in crowds. So um, where one begins and one ends, I'm not sure. Um, I think there's just so much we still need to learn about the brain and how these things work.
1: Right, right, yeah. There is a point in your story where Sela posts some of her poetry on a bulletin board and her classmates read it. They don't know it's her yet who wrote the poems. Um, these are poems she's written about. What it feels like to be her, and she overhears them say things like how they sometimes feel like that too, and and that actually made me feel really happy <laughs> that she was receiving some kind of um, validation and um, comfort from knowing that she's not necessarily alone. I guess I guess my question is like, how do we teach our children to be more accepting of? Of people who react differently to different situations. um there's a lot of times in the story where people say she's just trying to get attention or just how weird she is or wants special treatment. and And that made me think back to when I was in when I was younger, too. and if I'd said things like that and and that makes me feel terrible if I did. <laughs> um, so I'm just wondering like what is what is a way that we can help children be more accepting of of people who, have this kind of reaction to our environment?
2: That's a great question. And I mean, I think we all have done that as kids. I think we all make assumptions about people that are different than us if we don't have that information. Um, I know I've made lots of assumptions about people. Um, so, And I think books are a great place to start, especially these first person ones where we get into somebody's head. Um, I found books so transformative of reading about people that aren't like me and going, oh, that's why they they do maybe something that surprises me. I would totally feel that way too. Um, And so I I think that's a first tool. And I think also just modeling for kids, asking questions instead of always having the answers. Um, I recently read a book, Dear Mothman, which is a beautiful middle grade novel in verse. And something I really loved about it was the way it asked questions. And at the end, I don't feel like there's a didactic answer to those questions. And I feel like this is such a great, like this is a practice we should encourage with kids. Is that sometimes we don't have all the answers. And sometimes by asking questions, we have to see things from another perspective and have to think like, okay, how would somebody else feel about this thing? And that I think builds empathy when we're asking questions and we're engaging in dialogue to hear what other people's answers might be to those questions.
1: We're talking with writer Meg Eden Kuyat here on What We're Reading. Meg's new book is called Good Different. It's the story about a neurodivergent girl who comes to understand and celebrate her difference. Now, you mentioned that that book you read was in free verse and, and your book also, I should mention, is in free verse. And I think that really worked well with the story you're trying to tell. Is, is there something about free verse that you think helps Uh, ask these important questions that you're talking about versus it being just kind of standard narrative prose?
2: Um, I think verse opens up a lot of tools that you don't have in prose. Um, And I think it's a device that allows the emotion to come through because you have a lot less um, real estate word wise. You really have to think, okay, what are the things that really matter? What are the details I really want to hone in on? Um, Because when I'm writing prose, there's maybe a lot of other things I feel like I need to flesh out that I may be like, I don't really care about this. So I love that prose really distills it down to what you really care about. It distills it down really to the emotion. And so I think especially if you're dealing with a story of an internal journey and an emotional journey, verse is a space that really lets you, especially with first person, get into the head of that emotion um, and really convey it in a way that readers can connect a lot more with.
1: I'd love to talk about, uh, Sayla's mom a little bit. Uh, she's very caring and supportive of her. It's just uh, Sayla and her mom, and and of course her her grandfather does show up a lot too. So that's that's kind of nice that there's this team behind Sayla. But we learned that that Sayla's mother, her answer to Sayla's behavioral problems is To encourage her to act normal, to follow the rules. She's very caring, but it seems like she's kind of got some blinders on as far as um, what Sayla's going through. Um, could you talk a little bit about uh, that relationship between Sayla and her mom? Yeah, I
2: think something that is, um, as I'm writing more projects, this keeps coming up that I'm really interested in generational neurodivergence. So, all these people that You know, for generations have had these conditions too, and they've coped in different ways because we've not talked about it. We've, um, you know, discouraged talking about neurodivergence or accepting it. And so I I think what I really wanted to show is that mom also, I would suspect, is autistic, but she has coped in a certain way to survive in this world. And the way she has survived successfully is by masking um, and following rules that she has made up. And so she is teaching Selah. Um, well-meaningly her uh, survival tactics, basically. And so Sayla's like, this doesn't quite feel right, but she's also doing the same thing. And so she has to kind of learn how to break that cycle, and how to find a healthier uh, survival tactic.
1: Right. Did you have a supportive community when you were younger and kind of struggling through this yourself?
2: Yes, I think uh, my parents have always been very supportive of being different. Like I did lots of different things. Um, And, you know, now if I was a kid growing up today, I think it would be like, check, check, check all the autistic uh, symptoms. But in the 90s, you know, it was, oh, she has a hearing issue, we need to test her hearing. Um, Even though, you know, I stopped speaking, I lined up my toys, I flapped, I did all these things that we know now are autistic things. Um, But my, my mom, you know, never thought that was weird. She never thought that was concerning. Doctors were like, there's something wrong with this kid. And my mom was like, she's smart you know, I give her multi-sentence commands. She responds. She knows what's going on. She's just taking her time. Um, and I think at least for me, that was the perfect response because that's what I was doing. I was taking my time and mom knew that. Um, and she just, she celebrated those differences. She's like, it's so cute that you flapped. It was so cute. They did this when other households, you know, have sometimes, you know, done ABA therapy and shock treatment for those same things and my parents do not get that. I, I you know, I've been like thank you so much for being so positive and supportive because not everyone is. And they're just like they cannot comprehend that other people would punish these behaviors. They're like right. well, nobody would do that. Why would people do that? And I'm like, but they do. Like there are people that do that. So, I'm very grateful.
1: Meg Eden Kuyats' new book is called Good Different. It is a novel in verse about a neurodivergent girl Fans of Starfish by Lisa Phipps should be interested in this book as well. It's what we're reading. I'm Tammy Bobrowski.
2: Thanks for listening to the Between You and Me podcast on KAXE made possible by the arts and cultural heritage fund and the citizens of minnesota with music by sam milton